Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville. Fiber internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And from Bloomington Health Foundation, providing financial support to the community for 55 years, promoting healthier lives and the advancement of future health care in our region, working together for a healthier tomorrow. More at bloomhf.org. And from Estate and Downsizing Specialists, LLC, offering complete turnkey services for estate and downsizing clients, from initial consultation through home cleanout to final real estate and personal property sales. More at edsindiana.com. Welcome to Noon Edition on WFIU. I'm your host, Bob Zaltzberg, and today we're going to talk about sports. We don't do that very often here on, the, on Noon Edition, but, but it's the start of, uh, big, of basketball tournament season. The IU men's team plays tonight in the Big Ten tournament, and the women's team is uh, having a historic year that we're going to talk about today. So... Sit down, buckle up. We're going to talk about basketball today on Noon Edition. We have three guests with us. Joining us in the studio is Will Foley, the sports editor of the Indiana Daily Student, and Carlo Barone, who's Indiana men's basketball beat reporter for the Hoosier Network and the studio host for Big Ten Plus. And Carlo also covered women's basketball last year. And joining us again, she was with us for a previous show this year, is Amy Matheny, former IU women's point guard for the 1983 Big Ten Championship team. She's in the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame. She serves on the board of directors for the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame, and she is a Leanne Grotke Award recipient for IU. If you have questions or comments, you can phone us uh, at 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 877-285-9348. You can also send your questions to uh, news at indianapublicmedia.org. You can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So, Amy, great to have you back. Thanks, Bob. Okay, Great thanks. to be here. And Will, Carlo, good to have you guys in the studio today. Thanks for having us. Right. Pleasure being here. Thank you. All right. Well, Amy, I want to start with you because, you know, you've got the, the longest history here. Uh, you know, these guys are young. You know, they're, they're I was just saying, are you saying I'm old, Bob? No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> You're not as old as I am. Um, so, but 1983, you were the point guard playing for IU women's basketball, and you won the first Big Ten championship. What was that like back then? It, I mean, it was incredible. And just to remind everybody, you know, it, although 40 years was a long time ago, that was just the very beginning of the NCAA and that Big Ten tournament, and the, kind of the way we, the way we ran things. Prior to that, it was um, uh, just the, um, the women's organization, right? And so, um, you know, it was a big deal. And winning that is what that was also when we only had 32 teams in the NCAA tournament. So that was that gave you the automatic bid. Um, that's back when we had uh, it was a true Big Ten, right? Uh, and you played everybody home and away. And every game mattered. Um, that last game, you know, I said, I, I was at the game when we won against Purdue. My whole team was there. And they had a sellout this year of 17,000, you know, 222.7 fans. I think we had 2,500 to 3,000, and we thought, oh, my God, this is incredible for our last game against Ohio State to win the Big Ten championship that year. So, you know, we've come a long yeah, way. But changed, it, yeah. was, it was as exciting, um, but, man, I wish we'd have had 17,000 fans back then. That would have been fun. <laughs> right. Well, these guys have been watching basketball. They've, they've only been here for two or three years, and they've seen it grow considerably. Carlo, you were talking about when you covered it last year compared to this year. Completely different. Oh my gosh. The beginning of last season, I don't want to say there was no one there, but like when you go to a men's game versus a women's game, last year there's a noticeable difference in attendance. But this year, I mean, the last game of the year, the women's team sold it out and the men's team usually sells it out too. So it's it was 
pretty much the same environment. It was loud. Um, fans were getting rowdy. Me in the stands this year, not covering them, me being one of those fans, getting rowdy. But, gosh, it's been complete turnaround. Um, they were they were very good last year, but they were they're unbelievable this year. I mean, they're one of the top teams in all of college basketball, um, men's and women's. But it's just been historic turnaround, and the attendance has shown that as well. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you're covering this year, and you've been a columnist before, so you know you're used to, to covering different sports. So, what's it been like to cover the women's team, who is at such a high level? Um, it's a great year to start, obviously. Um, I'm not quite sure I expected this level of success when I took the job and especially like we talked about I covered the football team this fall so not the best season to cover that but it's it's definitely been something to adjust to I mean it's not it's pretty easy at times but at a certain point you run out of content to talk about when they just keep winning over and over and over because they're so good and they're just so much better than other teams that it's hard to come up with stuff. Mm-hmm. But now they're, they're entering the time of the season where they, they might have a couple of games that they should win, right? And then it gets, it gets more difficult. Amy, <laughs> when you played in the NCAA tournament, were, were there seedings back then? How'd oh, that yes. Work? Yeah? Yes. And, what, what? and um, I remember well, we went to Kentucky. They got to uh, kind of the same thing for women then. You know, they were trying to build the sport, so you got to host, right? They wanted more fans. So... We went um, down to Rupp Arena, and Kentucky was a one seed, and they were good. I mean, they were planning to win it all, and we beat them. And I'm telling you that, I mean, my teammates and I, we still talk about that game. That was all. Nothing like beating Kentucky at Kentucky, right? Right, um, yeah. Yeah, that was, it was similar to that as, as they do now. We just... You know, there's more, um, obviously we have twice as many teams now, like the men, mm-hmm. but they did often play, um, the higher seeds got the advantage of playing at home. Mm-hmm. And that's where I, IU is playing at home, right, for the first Correct. two games? Is that first two games. If they, first yeah. two games, mm-hmm. yeah. That's why in the women, the top four seeds all get to play at home. And that's why, you know, seeding is so important. I mean, that's one of the reasons that Terry coach Moore and had for one of their goals this year was to be a number one seed because you get you start your first two games at home but then the idea is you get to play closer to home and we went into Connecticut last year um, who you know probably shouldn't have gotten they were a two seed and they had already sold out the arena before we knew who was playing there Mm. yeah which was a major advantage to them so uh, that is why you work so hard all year to get a one seat. Mm-hmm. Not to mention that one game last year you're talking about against Connecticut was in Bridgeport, Connecticut. I was there covering. That was the final game because they eventually lost. But I mean, it was a, it was an away game in the NCAA tournament essentially because UConn was not that far away. Yes. So it was yes, exactly clear it advantage. Was, well, and they didn't, they played in a smaller arena. I, you know, part of what I think is happening, you guys have said it. I mean, I think even we started to see this last year. Um, and I think some of this, Bob, is really coming from uh, the women's NCAA made a deal with um, ESPN to start showing more games, right? Mm-hmm. Because the women's argument, remember in COVID when they had that little, uh, weight room that they showed for the women's side and the, and the men's, the difference. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what happened was a lot of the women's coaches spoke out and led, and Terry was one of them. Um, she has really become a leader um, in the NCAA women's basketball arena and said, look, we have a great product. If you put us on TV and people see the product, they will come to the games. And that's, I think, is what started to happen. We're not there yet. I mean, there been there were there was a top ten matchup this year that wasn't on national television. Now mm-hmm. that would never happen in the men's, but as you show them, we started to get more. And so, you know, the, the NCAA picks these sites out ahead of time. They picked Connecticut last year. It wasn't big enough for the four teams. We had Indiana who wanted to bring a big crowd. We had lots of people couldn't go because they couldn't get tickets. You had North Carolina State who brings a huge crowd. So I, I think it's grown a little faster than they had anticipated. <laughs> and this year was just, you know, as Will and Carlos said, this year was 
literally exponential. Every game, and as we won, of course, we all know it's it's we're Indiana. We love basketball. So if you put a good product, and this team was like watching a clinic, because I remember the early game we had Ohio State at home. I mean, that was a huge crowd, and then we had Iowa. At home. It just kept building, and it got crazier and crazier, and people were lining up outside before the game. And I mean, this has been great. And we're not the only team in the Big Ten that's been experiencing that. Right. I, I want to ask uh, ask both. Well, I'll ask Carlo first, and then Will can weigh in too. That's, you know, you mentioned that watching the women's team play, it's like a clinic. I mean, there is a there is a difference between watching the men's team play, any men's team play, and a women's team and a, a women's game. Um, Carlo, what what do you see as the difference? I mean, the skills are just. They're they're really really good in both sides, but they're kind of different, right? But if you yes, I would agree. If you looked at both this year and last year for Indiana women's basketball, Mackenzie Holmes goes down last year for eight games. Grace Berger goes down this year, eight games, both knee injuries, and both of them have seemingly come back. And the team has been fine in the stretch they've been out, and I feel like both those stretches have made them a better team because they're playing without one A and one B best players on the team. Grace Berger's usually the ones that's taking the shots towards the end. Um, if you need a clutch bucket, and you can say the same thing about Mackenzie Holmes, all matchup based, but I think different. the difference between the men's and women's team is the women's team, I feel, feel like, plays more together as the men's team is more, if it's not going to Trace, it's probably going to Jalen Huchifino or an open shooter. But you have the women's team, you have Sarah Scalia, I mean, Mackenzie Holmes, Grace Berger. I mean, they have enough people on the bench as well, that they've gotten a big lift of scoring from them, as, and it's been a big part of why they've been pretty much more, or better improved than last season. Well, um, Yeah, I was going to say teamwork, definitely. I think Terry Morin's play calling is some of the best in the country, not only in women's basketball, but in college basketball. They run some fantastic plays. Uh, it went viral earlier this year when one of their... Yeah, one of their plays that Terry Morin drew up, Mike Woodson used at the start of the Michigan game, and they scored a basket on it. So, uh, yeah, I just think that I think in the men's games, like guys like Trace or Jalen or whoever can really rely on their athleticism. So I think in women's, when you can't do that as much and you can't just go up for a dunk or whatever, I think their skill, some of their skills are just so underrated. Mackenzie Holmes's footwork in the post is like a marvel yes. to watch. Yes. Um, they're all Either great. Hand. They're all great <laughs> shooters, which was a big addition this year. Getting Sydney Parrish and Scalia, um, they can really light it up from deep. Yard and Garzone. So yeah, they're just fascinating, honestly. Yeah, and Bob, Bob can I add on add, to that? Sure. Anytime, Amy. I, just jump I right think, in. <laughs> well, I think one of the things, and they're right, the teamwork. But I tell you what, this team and and last year's too. But this team, they are they play smart. I feel like now, and, and of course, I want to brag here for a minute. We have 24 sports at IU. This last semester, the women ha- basketball team had the highest GPA at 3.67. That's ridiculously impressive. Whoa. But I tell you, I'm sitting in a game, and if we're up with three to four minutes to go, I feel like, oh, yeah, we, we are so smart with the clock. It's like Terry doesn't have to. They know exactly what to do. I feel like, okay, we're up. We're good. I can relax because I know they're not going to take a dumb shot or not use the clock well. It, it's so, That's what I mean by clinic. They are so impressive in that area. Well, I have to mention the Ohio State game, though. I, I was in we Minneapolis. We couldn't relax. We couldn't it's relax enigma. at that one. So Yeah, I, that was an enigma. We were, we were all – it happens yeah. as a point guard. Ohio State – and I, I said this because my teammates were all on it uh, – uh, checks together like 11 of us right and you know you can imagine what former players were all or, you know you know um ohio state has a really really good zone press and you don't see teams in college that zone press because it's exhausting mm-hmm. and that trapping press and of course it's like getting the yips one you know once it it snowballs on you it uh but I was the same way. I kept saying, they're, they'll turn this around. And I think they will. I, I, there were a lot of factors, I think, that probably went into that. Um, you know, Mac wasn't 100%, so that hurts you, you know, 
you can't bring her down. If you watch like Iowa, they bring Cezano down to help, right? When they were getting trapped. Yeah. Uh, we, we didn't have Mac to do that. And then, like I said, it just kind of snowballs. But I, this is that kind of team. They are smart. They are um, resilient. They're mentally very tough. So I have no doubt. I mean, I saw them after the game. They were upset. And I know probably every one of them was mad at themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, you were there. so Yeah, the IDS yeah. went. Um, we, were, we were trying to talk about how to describe it. The closest we could come to was it was like watching a car crash in slow motion. I mean, it just seemed like it was slowly unraveling and you started to get the feeling that, wow, this is really going to happen, which, like Amy said, is really shocking with this team because they are really yeah. smart. Chloe Moore McNeil has one of the highest uh, assisted turnover ratios in the number entire three. country. She's number three in the country right now. So I was really surprised how much they struggled. Um, Terry Moran talked think- about how much they, they changed their press a little bit. They denied on the ball. Uh, J.C. Sheldon, their Ohio State's point guard, came back from injury, and she's a really good defender, really good player. Um, and I think there was just a little bit of burnout, quite honestly. Ohio State yeah. really wanted that game. They really, wow. they really wanted to make a push and make that Big Ten title game. And I think IU, especially with how much the starters play down the stretch, I think they just got a little tired and worn out. It's also important to note that going into that game, IU had won the previous five meetings before then. And those five meetings started last year. So they beat them three times last year. They swept them in the regular season. They beat them in the Big Ten tournament. This year, they go into Columbus, they wipe them, and then they wipe them at home again. Being a team six times in like two two calendar years is insane. And a team of Ohio State's caliber, they're one of the top teams in the Big Ten. So if... It almost, I don't want to say it's a good thing they lost because on the other side of the coin, they are getting a lot of time off that they wouldn't have if they were in the Big Ten Championship game playing against Caitlin Clark and Iowa for a third time this year as well. So they get the extra rest, but it's hard. They always say it's hard to beat a team three times. And it, it came in the Big Ten tournament, that, a tournament they probably wanted to win, but I don't think this will affect their seeding in the NCAA tournament that much. We are. Yeah, we, we are talking about IU women's basketball primarily. We can also talk a little bit about the men's team today. It's uh, that time of year. It's March in Indiana, so we're spending noon edition talking with Will Foley, the sports editor for the Indiana Daily Student, Carlo Barone, Indiana men's basketball beat reporter for the Hoosier Network, and a studio host for Big Ten Plus, and Amy Matheny, who has been on our show before, former IU women's point guard for the 1983 Big Ten championship team. She's a member of the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame, and she's just been involved with IU Athletics in in many, many different ways. She's on the Executive Council of the IU Alumni Association, and on and on for Amy. If you have questions for us, you can give us a call at 812. Um, Let me get my info here. It's... Yeah, I'm going to have to get back to that. I, I, you, you'd think I would remember that number by now, but I'll get back, I'll get back to that for you. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we have a call, though. Let me, go back to, let me go to our caller. We have Kathy on the phone. Kathy? Good afternoon, everybody. March Madness. Hello. Hello. Awesome, awesome. I have a question. Does anybody have information on the health of the team? Is Mackenzie ready to go? What do we know? How's everybody doing? Let's see. Will? Um, yeah, and like in Minneapolis, Terry Moran said, Mac wasn't 100%. The team wasn't exactly 100%. Uh, people noted that in the Michigan State game in the first round of the Big Ten tournament, she kind of went to the – she didn't go to the locker room, but she went to the side of the bench, was kind of looking at her knee. In the Ohio State game, uh, some people thought her brace was bigger than normal. So there might have been a little issue with the knee tweak, but so it's kind of unsure right now. I'm sure it's not a long-term issue if she was able to play in that Ohio State game. Yeah. So that's that's as far as I know. Carlo, you know anything? Okay. Nothing uh, insider inf- – I don't know any insider information, but it's, it's, it's good to note that she had a bigger brace on her knee – but you also have to remember that those games are back-to-back-to-back days. In this case, they only played two. So I feel like maybe it's just a little bit of inflammation, but nothing that I would see would would be 
a fault in their uh, NCAA tournament run. All right. Thank you for the call, Kathy. Anything else? Yeah. No, um, thank you. I really appreciate being able to hear Amy Matheny. She's um, quite a representative for uh, women's um, IU basketball. She is. That's right. Well, thank you for calling. We appreciate it. Yes. All right. Have a great afternoon. Our numbers are 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 877-285-9348. You can also join us by sending us an email, Indiana uh, news at indianapublicmedia.org, and you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So I just want to mention just really briefly, let's talk about the men's team because they do start tonight. So, Carlo, uh, you know, the men's team has been up and then down for a little bit, and now then now they seem to be back uh, together a little bit. So what are you expecting out of the Big Ten tournament and then maybe a seeding for the NCAA? Well, they have Maryland tonight, which I believe they're two-and-a-half-point favorites in Chicago against them. And if you look at Maryland, they're not a very good road team. Um, I believe that they're... Yeah. <laughs> One please, and nine. Yeah, right? they're not very good. I understand winning on the road in the Big Ten is always a challenge, but one and nine is... I mean, the fact that they have a number, I think they have the number five seed or something. The fact they have that is almost entirely made up of home wins. I think Indiana is, I think they're going to win this game. They should win this game um, as they lost to Maryland on the road this year. It's definitely a revenge game for them because if you remember, Jalen hood had a awful game against Maryland. I think it was one of 13, 14. It was just a performance you do not want to remember. So I do think they should win this game. But then they also, if they were to win this game, they would play the winner of Northwestern and Penn State. And can we talk about how the first five games of this tournament, the lower seed has won the first time in history? That's unbelievable. So as an, as an IU fan, um, or rather IU fans, I feel like they're a little nervous right now seeing all these upsets happen, but... Nonetheless, I think IU should take care of business against Maryland, which they're probably going to get their rematch with Northwestern for a third time this year. Jeez, if they get swept by Northwestern, just a hypothetical, but if they get swept by Northwestern <laughs> again, wow. That is storyline for the ages. It's almost It almost is Rutgers part two with Rutgers defeating Indiana, I believe, the last six times before they Bunch played. Of times, yeah. Um, in Bloomington this year, but... Yeah, it's big game tonight, and then if they get Northwestern tomorrow, huge game, especially for NCAA seeding uh, projections. So what are, you, what are you projecting as a seed? I've well, a lot of fours mentioned. I would so. say if Indiana loses tonight, they risk going to a five, but that's depending on other conference tournaments and how other teams do. If they win tonight, I feel, I feel like they solidify a four, and if they win um, and go to the championship, they kind of creep up to that three. If they win the Big Ten tournament, who knows? Maybe a three. But if I would have to say, if I would have to put money on anything, I would. the safe bet would be put them at four. But if they win the Big Ten tournament, which it depends really honestly what goes on the other side. Purdue is a wild card now the last couple weeks. If they win the Big Ten tournament, they can move all the way up to a three. Okay, and Will, you've you've been paying close attention, I'm sure. So of course. Could you, yeah, you can weigh in on those questions, but I also want to ask about Trace Jackson Davis and what we've just witnessed this year as a season. He's an all-time great in Indiana basketball history now, which is really weird to say, I think, just because it's hard to process those kinds of things where in such a storied basketball pro- program, he's a top five, he's coming a top ten player in the program's history, uh, all-time leader in blocks, all-time leader in rebounds. I think he's third in points right now. Um, he has really carried this team at stretches of the season. Um, I think with him, the ceiling is incre- I think the ceiling could be a Final Four just because of how talented he is as a player. He's one of the top five players in the country, probably one of the top three players in the country. Uh, of course, Purdue Zach Eady is kind of stealing all his thunder in the Big Ten and national awards. But I really like this IU team. Um, I think I really like their draw in the Big Ten tournament, like Carlo was talking about. I think the matchup with Maryland and then another shot at a Northwestern or a Penn State is a good thing as opposed to, you know, Iowa really had their number this year. Uh, It'd be really difficult to beat Purdue three times. So, yeah, those are kind of my thoughts. All right. Well, thanks. We have a phone call. We're going to go to Valerie on the phone. I think Valerie has a question for Amy. Hi. 
Hey. Thank you, Bob, and thank you, Amy. I had wanted to buy tickets for Greenville a long time ago, but basketball mm. operations cautioned me not to do it, not being sure where we're going. Now hearing Amy talk about how Connecticut had most of the seats for the tournament last year, does she recommend we call today, go online, and try to get tickets? Oh, boy, that's a great question. Can I tell you, uh, we've all been having that conversation this year. In fact, I have a friend that has bought tickets both in Seattle and in Greenville. Um, the problem this year, the way the NCAA did it, we only have two regionals. So if for some reason they drop us to the overall three seed or if some reason they decide they want to send us to Seattle, I will be really upset. Um, uh, so I don't know, you know, I've been sort of waiting. There are tickets, they aren't very expensive, but here's the other problem in that. Because they only have two regionals this year, we don't know what day we will play. So there are four possible days where before, like last year, you could just buy, you know, the two games, the let's say the, the Friday and the Sunday game in Connecticut. Well, now we have four different days possible. Like I've gone on and looked. The whole lower bowl is sold out. You can get into the upper bowl now. Hopefully they've learned from last year and they have held tickets um, for the schools. But like last year, they held 100 tickets for us. Well, that's the family, right? So, you know, if, if you can afford it, but, you know, there is a shot they'll send us to Seattle, which... Like I said, that'll make us all really upset. Well, it'll make the IDS upset, I'm sure. <laughs> we would you might love be it. able to sell your tickets either way, though, because I think you're going to have a really good. But I looked. I don't get this. You know, Seattle is one of our places we picked this year. But if you look at the top 15 teams in the women's basketball rankings, there's only four teams from the West. So they're going to be sending a lot of teams a great distance who have worked really hard to have high seats. Well, yeah. yeah, the IDS would love to be going to Greenville because then we could drive and save a little bit of money. <laughs> um, I think even though it might be a little difficult, like you might get a little worried just because of recency bias, it's important to note that the, the selection committee does not include recency bias anymore. And looking at Indiana's overall resume, I mean, they have nine top 25 wins. It's the most in the country. I think they're pretty much a lock to be the number two overall seed, and that would send them to Greenville, which... Is a good I, thing. I, I agree with that. You just don't know. Um, you'll have to have buy all four sessions. So, <laughs> but the tickets, but you know what, Valerie, the tickets are not that expensive. You, you go on and you're going to see a lot of great games. I think they're like $18 for That's that true. upper bowl. So you can buy all four and stay the weekend and watch all kinds of great basketball. Yeah, Sounds but good. thank you, Amy. Yeah, you're gonna have to make your own decision. Thanks about for being a supporter, Valerie. We love that. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Thank you very much. So our phone number is again eight one two eight five five zero eight one one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. And you can also send us your questions, news at Indiana Public org, and you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. So the game's here. Indiana, uh, if Indiana is a one seed and it's looking like they'll be a one seed, they would play the 16 and then what, the eight and nine yep. as well? Is eight, that how nine. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Carlo, how, so what are you, it sounds like, um, sounds like Will thinks we're going to be a, uh, the number two seed overall. So no way we'll drop from that number one line. I don't think they're, I don't really think they're going to drop from the number one line. It would just be interesting where the committee puts Iowa in relation yeah. to IU because they're 1-1 one and one this year against each other with the home team winning each game. It's, I thought the jump from 6 to 2 and IU moves back from 2 to 3, I think that was a little much. Especially, <laughs> especially with a team with I think I think Iowa has what six losses now, mm -hmm. and IU has yes. three total. Um, but they and the, and the Big Ten tourney was a home tournament for them. Let's be clear about that. And let's also not forget that going into those rankings that they moved um, IU down to three, they only had two losses at that point. That was before the Ohio State game. So I think that was a little bit of a stretch there, but I still think they're going to get. I think both IU and Iowa are going to get number one seeds, 
it'll just be interesting whether Iowa and IU are on the same side of the bracket or if Iowa gets a four, if IU gets a three or a four. It's, it'll be interesting, but I do think that um, IU definitely should be a lock for the number one. Okay. Yeah, uh, I think. I, I agree. And, and a lock, really, if you look at the total resume, it should be absolutely, we should be the number two overall seed. We have three losses. Everybody else has many more, and, and I, I just think our body of work, but this is where, you know how it is, the, they don't tell us exactly what the criteria, if they're only looking at the last week, well, that's different, but if you look at the whole body, and Iowa had to beat us with the Hail Mary last second shot at their place on senior night when they had everything to lose and we didn't, and just two weeks ago, they got beat like a drum at Maryland. Mm -hmm. We have not had a bad loss this year. Will? Yeah, I was going to talk about that Iowa game. We were also there. Um, yeah, it was college game day was there. It was senior night at Carver Hawkeye. I had been sold out for about two or three weeks before. And yeah, Indiana hung with Iowa all the way until the last second and a half for Caitlin Clark made a buzzer beating three. Yeah, and I just think if you look overall at the entire resumes, um, yeah, like Amy said, Indiana does not have a bad loss. All their, They lost at Michigan State, which is still puzzling, even without Grace Berger, but Grace Berger is a huge part of this team. And then, yeah, that Iowa game, and then the Ohio State game. So I just think you can't really move Iowa that far up just because of a late-season run. Um, I've seen a lot of this on Twitter or social media, wherever. I'm not quite sure where this argument has been coming from, where more and more fans are starting to say, are we really going to act like uh, Big Ten regular season titles don't mean anything? That might just be Indiana fans uh, taking shots at Purdue, but it's the most like overall body of work thing you have mm -hmm. to look at rather than a four-day span. So, I, I agree, Will. I think, I think the regular season title or championship, whatever you want to call it, I feel like that definitely holds a lot more weight in the committee's eyes than a four-day tournament, which is they're playing four days in a row. I mean, there's no stretch in the regular season that you would have a team even play back-to-back. -back. Nonetheless, four exactly. in a row. It, yeah. it's, a, it's a completely different game, essentially, because it's you're trying to win the game, but at the same time, you're not trying to tire out your best players because you're going to be playing in 24 hours. So it's a completely different game. Um, I, think, I think the regular season is just the embodiment of really what the team is. You see it in men's tournaments all the time. It would be some random two, three, four seed just goes in, wins their conference tournament. I saw a stat before um, the broadcast that showed that out of the last 10 men's national champions, only three of them have been the conference tournament champions. So that if that doesn't show the weight of the conference tournament, I don't know what else does. I agree. I, I think those conference tournaments, they're, I mean, let's be honest, right? They were put in to make money. They are not advantageous to the student athlete at all. They do not consider them. I mean, playing every, one every 24 hours is not good. Um, we see lots of injuries usually happen in these tournaments. And it's made for the teams that are desperate not getting into the tournaments, not the top teams, which is maybe why you've seen in this, yeah, we've got a lot more parity, but why you see a lot of upsets in the conference tournament. We have a question that's come in about the seeding process and Will, I know you were talking about some of the how they don't count recency anymore. The question is, you know, who who actually does determine the seeds, and do they look at the whole season and who's healthy now and all those kind of things? Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure the because there's a selection committee from the NCAA. I'm pretty sure it's made up of different schools as like athletic directors or presidents or some sort of uh, leadership role, and I they they mostly look at the entire season. Um, I think they will factor in occasionally. Like, for example, if we're talking about Indiana, I think they'll factor in that we uh, that Indiana lost at Michigan State without Grace Berger. I think injuries do play some sort of effect. Uh, UConn's going to be a big discussion point because they've played a lot of their season without some of their best players. So, yeah, the, the selection committee 
it's it's been questioned at times, um, which is, you know, <laughs> that's going to happen. It's hard. It is really hard. I mean, they're looking at a lot of stuff, but yes. And there are a lot of close teams, uh, both in the men's and the women's. Uh, those kind of things are pretty hard to distinct. So, yeah. yeah. I think this year they also talked about, because every year, you know, everybody wants to know, how do you do it? Because, you know, there's always going to be a disagreement. One of the things they talked about this year is, I can't remember what the actual verbiage they used, but it was sort of like the eye test, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we're gonna look and see. And so you you might get the sense, and I think this is why people look at Iowa, wow, they're they're like on a roll right now. Um, or they look, they played really well. Again, I would point out that they played in front of their home crowd for, you know, three nights. <laughs> and they, they were in, yeah, they were in Minneapolis, but that's awfully close to Iowa. That's right. We, well, at it, the, it at wasn't the game. close to Iowa, but it was far away from everywhere else. Yeah. And so where in Indianapolis, Iowa brings a great crowd, but so does IU and Michigan and Michigan State and Ohio State. You know, even Maryland, even Purdue, I think, would have brought, in, would have brought a large crowd this year with what Katie Douglas is doing up there. They, they had a great game against Iowa. But in Minneapolis, no, I mean, you, you just, I felt like, believe me, every restaurant, everywhere we get, went, it was all Iowa all the time. Yeah, the, There were very few fans that weren't outside of family members from every other school. Just quickly at that game, because we stayed after Indiana lost to Ohio State, uh, we watched Maryland and Iowa, and I think they announced the crowd was about 10,000, and I'm pretty sure 90 or 95% of the fans yes. were Iowa fans there. It was it yes. was a home game for Iowa, practically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I wanna, we'll talk more about you know this team going into this tournament. Uh, but, Amy, I just want – last time you were on, we did a show, <laughs> and Coach Terry Morton was on the show. We did it on, on Title IX and the, the anniversary of Title IX. And I just want to give you an opportunity to talk about, you know, how far the women's basketball has come, you know, under the auspices of Title IX. Oh, my gosh. Well. <laughs> yeah, I know that's a big question. You, you know, can, fill the, well, you can finish the show you, with this. But, and it's, yeah. it's interesting because, you know, I have friends. I was right at the beginning of getting taking advantage of Title IX, right? I graduated high school in 1980. But so on the I Association or at IU, you know, I have friends that played pre-Title IX and then post, and the difference is night and day. I mean, even back then, we finally, we got scholarships, right? We flew on the the plane um, everywhere we went. We ate at the nicest restaurants. We stayed at the nicest hotels. You know, uh, we were, uh, I mean, just, just the things and what the kids have now. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Pre-Title IX, just a few years before us, you can ask some of my friends, you know, they are washing their own uniforms. They get, they were given socks. They had to give them back the socks so other teams could wear them. Oh, my God. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> oh God. what a couple years of a legislation, right, put in by an Indiana senator, right, in Birch Bay. That's the difference of what Title IX did for women. And just like now, every time we show, like when we showed the weight room and people hear about it and then they go, okay, we need to give them more exposure. You know, up until this last year, we, we don't even get to use the term March Madness. That's, you know, that's the men have that, right? We don't even get that. They can't even show that. And our point is, and women's coaches like Terry, and I want to really give a shout out to Coach Terry Morin because she has been an amazing leader not for just IU but for all she recognizes her place right and you know Terry is not um, an overly excitable I mean this is what makes her a great coach right she's not too high not too low but every opportunity she gets in front of the microphone this year she has talked about the Big Ten not Indiana the Big Ten in previous years she has talked about that women deserve to have more they deserve to be given you know more games on national television right if they're going to watch it they'll come the argument was well men people watch the men more well because you put them on more maybe they'll watch the women more if you do and we're actually seeing the fruit of that now and terry has been just an incredible voice and as so have so many i mean you know muffet up at notre dame uh, for years said, I'm only going to hire female assistants because, you know, 
women have a harder time getting these head jobs because most athletic directors are men. I also want to give a shout out to our, you know, Fred Glass, who was our previous AD, Scott Dolson, who's our current AD. I mean, they have been so supportive of our women's programs at IU. And that is, and I know because I have friends elsewhere around the country, that is not the case everywhere. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> it does take men that are willing to say, hey, you know, I'm going to give women, you know, uh, just just the same opportunity. That's all we've ever asked for. Just just give us the same. But we have come a long way, baby. Yeah, as, as yeah. does right. I, and I, it is so exciting to see these young women get to stand on the shoulders of the Leanne Grockies and all the people that have gone before. I want to ask Will and Carlo, um, have you guys done any reporting on name, image, and likeness, the NIL stuff? Not a ton. Okay. I've written a couple essays for for classes yep. but like nothing like professional reporting no. gotcha okay well, yeah i can't say i haven't okay. done too much i i do remember though i think i might have submitted an nil essay like as a college application essay a couple of years ago <laughs> and it's it's crazy to think of how much like that was kind of a vague idea of what it was going to be back then and how much it's kind of grown since then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I was just I just want to make sure that we brought that up because it's, you know, it's a, it's an issue that that you guys at, at, you know, while you're covering sports, that's another angle on sports. There's going to be more transfers. You know, Indiana got some transfers. We have a question that's come in about how does the fact that there are NIL deals that are out there available mean that Maybe there'll be some some places she doesn't mention, but places like UConn or other places that might want to poach some players from Indiana now. I mean, is this something I, that we're going to be seeing? I, yeah, go can ahead. Can I speak Amy. to that? Yeah, because yeah, sure. so we've had a lot of this discussion, um, uh, as I said, on some of the board, volunteer boards, right? So I don't work for the university, but a couple of our, like Colin Hartman, is you all probably remember one of our great IU men's basketball players. Mm -hmm. Colin has started a group that's doing some of the NIL work. Here's the thing that I think all of us see. First, I think somebody described it best. It's it's like the wild, wild west. They basically passed the law before we like knew had any rules around it, right? One thing you can feel really good about, I think, at Indiana University, it's why I'm willing to volunteer my time there, um, is that we will do it right. And there is a Chinese wall that sits between the athletic department and the NIL. They cannot raise money for NIL. Uh, they can't get involved. They can't go on a recruiting trip and say, hey, if you come to Indiana, you'll get a you know, $500,000 year NIL. You can't say that. I'm confident that we don't. I am not confident that all schools will play by the rules as we have known in the past. And it will be very interesting to see how this plays out. But I think we started very early, Fred Glass, and some of them are part of Hoosiers for Good, where they're using student athletes uh, representing and trying to make money for nonprofits, right? So sort of a win-win. Mm -hmm. I, I really feel like IU's trying to do it well. I know Purdue is doing the same. I, I trust a lot of the Big Ten schools. Um, I think there are other places that that's not necessarily the case, and I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> well, I, I, I do think there are uh, there is an impact. I mean, I think, and Will, I'll throw it to you on this one, but Mackenzie Holmes has already said she's coming back for another year, right? Now, in previous years, she might have wanted to come back anyway. It's not like she's going to go, you know, be a – well, she may go to play professional basketball, but it's not that lucrative. She may have been decided that she wanted to go start her career somewhere, but she can probably make more money through NIL being at Indiana University than she could in her first, first year out of school somewhere, right? Yeah, I think Mackenzie Holmes is a special case. Uh, even last year she had said – that she would wear an Indiana jersey as long as she yeah. possibly could. So I think her main reason for staying here is she just loves this school. But, yeah, that certainly is, like, an additional thing that you can throw in the mix. Um, on the women's side, like a player I think of for NIL is Sydney Parrish because she has a huge social media brand, and she really utilizes it. And, yeah, that's one way to – it's just an additional thing that – if you're already playing here, you want to play here especially, which is the case for a lot of the women's players, I think, uh, most of the men, I'm sure. Um, 
it's just one more thing that you can do and that you can take advantage of now that you couldn't before. Like on the men's side, uh, Anthony Leal. He's from Bloomington. Yeah, he doesn't great. really get in the game that much anymore, but he's really made like a brand for himself and a name for himself. And it's entertaining to see at the games. You know, they've got the ads going. They're doing sing-alongs in the car, and I think it's a really good thing the way they've. I think there are still some some uh, gray areas that you need to address in terms of NIL because yeah, you have almost contract-like things being offered now, and you can't. You want to cut that off at a certain point, in my opinion, but yeah. Let me ask you guys this. I don't know if you heard, but Caitlin Clark has said she's going to probably play two years, and I'm sure that's wholly because of NIL. Yeah, she's making she's a lot of money. She's going to make more money at Iowa than she'll ever make in the WNBA. <laughs> Carlo, go ahead. Let me ask you guys this. If you want to see the effect of NIL, would Trace Jackson Davis be in a Hoosiers jersey this year there if that go. NIL did not exist? I don't think so. Because if you look up, uh, you can look up uh, all the NIL stuff because it is public. Um, it's 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 available to the public is what I'm trying to say. But the effect of NIL, it now makes, on a broader scale of things, if an athlete is trying to make it to the professional ranks for a financial reason and maybe aiding their family, NIL basically makes that decision whether to leave or stay at school so much easier because it's kind of a middle between because you get to play at the school, you get paid, but you're not also risking it by going to the professional ranks. And I feel like you see this most in the NBA as guys will make it out of some, some rough areas and they'll have a, a rough upbringing that they're trying to um, basically aid their parents or their family or their loved ones or whoever. And they have to make a hard decision whether to stay at school to get their draft stock up or go to the NBA and just get a bunch of money, the G League. But now NIL is the is the good middle ground where they can make that and still get their draft stock up so they can be maybe not as raw of a prospect when they get to the professional ranks. I don't know if it's still the case, but we had Jeremy Gray on the show, uh, Galen Clavio uh, on the show. We talked about NIL um, a while ago, and, and they talked about how I use women's athletes for being – more successful with NIL um, early on at least than the men's athletes were so it just I don't know it's it's interesting and it's going to be it's going to be changing for a long time okay we have five minutes to go I need to ask all of you what uh, so I'm I want to start with with Carlo and you know what are you going to be looking for in the in the NCAA tournament this year what's going to be a successful tournament in your mind for Indiana's men's and women's team on the men's side of things, I, I said this a couple weeks ago on Big Ten Plus, I think Jalen hood is the true X factor of the team. Trace is going to get his 20 points, 10 rebounds almost every time, unless he's playing a guy like Zach Eady. It really comes up to whether Jalen hood Trey Galloway, Miller Cop, they can hit shots. And on the women's side of things, uh, I would say it's really up to the play of Grace Berger and Sarah Scalia. I mean, Sarah Scalia, you've seen it. She's come in. When she's had games that she's dominated, it's pretty much just ended the game. When you think about it, think about Michigan. That was her first big game in a really long time, and they won in Ann Arbor on the road against a ranked team. I mean, you need performances from players on your bench in order to do things like that. And the same thing goes with Jalen Hushifino. I mean, 35 at Purdue. I was at that game. That has to be one of the most dominant individual performances I've seen in any sport. So on the men's side of things, it's got to be Jalen. He's got to be cooking if they want to get a nice run going. And the women's, it's got to be sticking to what they know. I mean, they're a good team basketball. They Their style of play is much more team-oriented than the men's team. So as long as they share the sugar, get uh, get the rock to the players that are hitting, whether that's Sarah Scalia, Grace Berger, I mean, who knows, Mackenzie Holmes, all of them, uh, they have the ability to get 20, 30 points. So Sharing the sugar, uh, passing the ball around team basketball, I think, is the key for uh, women to make a key run. All right, well. Um, yeah, To if I'm going to give key players like Carlo did, for the men's side, I would say Tamar Bates off the bench. Uh, he had... He's coming off a pretty rough stretch in terms of just, you know, hitting shots, uh, t- turning the ball over, a little bit of defense, and even confidence struggles. And I thought he played really well against Michigan, and I thought he had a couple key threes. He played some good defense on uh, Jet Howard and Michigan's guards. And I think that Indiana is going to need that to make a Sweet 16 run or an Elite 8 run. And I think they're capable of that. 
And on the women's side, um, I'm really interested to see what some of these, either the smaller schools or just like an eight seed or a nine seed in the second round, how they'll guard Mackenzie Holmes if they're going to double or triple team her and pack the paint, because then it comes down to Indiana shooting. Um, like we like in historic. Historically, with Terry Morin's teams, they haven't been the best shooters. They added Sidney Paris, they added Sarah Scalia, uh, they added Yarden Garzon, and they've been pretty lethal from deep. And I think they're going to need to hit their shots to be able to make a Final Four run. All right, on the women's side, Amy, I'm just going to ask you about the women's team. What are you What are you uh, looking for? And you've got well, about, I, you a, know about I gotta one minute. You know, I got to talk about both of them. But, okay, uh, okay. I got about one minute. A, <laughs> I want to give a shout out to Will. And Carlo, I wanted to say I agree with both of them, and thank you for covering the women this year. We really appreciate it. Mac is healthy. The sky is the limit. We can do anything. And a shout-out to Coach Woodson. He's done a heck of a job with a lot of players out this year, and people wanted his head on the platter at one time. And I think you have to see he's just done an amazing job with this team. And I agree. Hood Shafino is an X factor. And, oh, please, if we could get Tamar playing consistently because we're a little short, that would be great. Okay. 30 seconds on the women's team. Again, Mac Healthy, this team has so many, so many um, weapons that they don't all need to be doing great every night. Okay. Sid has a good night. Chloe has a good night. Sarah. Um, again, Mac is healthy. The sky's the limit for this team. All right, I appreciate it. I'm gonna. We are out of time, so I want to thank our guests today. They've all been uh, terrific. They've had a lot of great points. Will Foley from the IDS, Carlo Barone from Indiana uh, Indiana Men's Basketball Beat reporter for Hoosier Network, and a studio host for Big Ten Plus, and Amy Matheny, our friend who's been here a couple of times, a former IU women's player who's very involved with Indiana athletics. So I want to thank our engineer, Mike Pashkash, our producer, Nathan Moore, and I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville, fiber internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And from Bloomington Health Foundation, providing financial support to the community for 55 years, promoting healthier lives and the advancement of future health care in our region, working together for a healthier tomorrow. More at bloomhf.org. And from Estate and Downsizing Specialists, LLC, offering complete turnkey services for estate and downsizing clients, from initial consultation through home cleanout to final real estate and personal property sales. More at edsindiana.com.